0: Hey, this is Dylan
1: Powley, and this is the Step Over podcast. Hi, and welcome to the Step Over podcast, Ottawa's grassroots soccer podcast. Thank you so much for joining. Now, this week we've got a great guest. All our guests are great, um, but this is the first time that I've had someone on who um, people have specifically said you should have this guy on. Um, we really want to hear from this person. Uh, and that person is Atletico Ottawa goalkeeper Dylan Powley. If you're an Atletico Ottawa fan, you might remember him leaping into section W at the first home game. So I'm not going to waste any more time. Here's our chat with Atletico Ottawa goalkeeper Dylan Powley. So we're here with Dylan Powley, and you just celebrated your 25th birthday. Is that right?
0: Yeah, I did on Sunday. Right on.
1: Happy birthday, man. No, thank you. Appreciate it. Do uh, you do anything special for it?
0: Uh, no, nothing special. I mean, all my friends and close family and everything like that are back in Edmonton, where I'm originally from. So nothing nothing crazy, just, you know, a little get-together with some of the guys from the team and just pretty chill night. Watched the Canada-U.S. game and just relaxed.
1: Right on. Um, any cake, cupcakes, ice cream? Are you into that?
0: I actually had the um, athletic therapist, Jen. She brought me a piece of cake Um Yesterday, actually, because we weren't training on Sunday, so she brought me a piece of cake. So that's the only only little bit of cake that I've had, but it was much appreciated.
1: (laughs) Right on. So, what kind was it? I'm I'm a big cake guy, so i I just need to know.
0: (laughs) It's It's like it's got chocolate in it. It's got some crushed almonds with some kind of maple pecan sauce or something like that. But it was it was really really good. Actually, I still have a little piece of it left, but I'm after this now.
1: Right on. That sounds fantastic. Um. All right. So, like, I try and get as as full a picture of of uh, you know my guests that I can. Like, at least to the best of my very limited interviewer abilities. Um. So so like I tend to start from the you know like from the start. Uh, like, when did you Dylan Powell first start playing soccer?
0: Uh, I want to say probably when I was five or six. I mean, I was just playing kind of how everybody starts off, like the community rec league level. Just I think it's in, in Alberta. It's called Timbit Soccer yep. just for young kids and stuff like that. So I started playing then and then eventually moved up to the club rinks.
1: Um, so like what got you into it? Was it just like your parents needed something for you to do?
0: Yeah, I think that's kind of how it started. I mean, I was always a very active kid. Um, From what I hear from my parents, I was always – um, like playing catch with my dad or trying to swing a baseball bat and hit a ball kind of thing. So it was just kind of a natural progression for me to get involved with um, with other kids and put some of that energy that I had as a kid to good use. So it was just kind of a thing to get me running around, get me socialized with kids, keep me, I mean, just engaged in sports. And it was, uh, it was really good.
1: Right on. Uh, and, like, were you always a goalie or – or is that not always
0: no kind of a funny story how that worked I mean so I, at the community level obviously everybody rotates and then plays goalie and stuff like that and it was oh, it was always a position I was drawn to but I was never very good so I was an outfield player uh when I had my first club tryout I tried out as a striker um i didn't make the team right away I made it later a couple weeks later when some other kid dropped out um so I guess I was the first alternate so I made it tried to become a striker that was a very short-lived career for me (laughs) but uh I eventually made the switch into goalie um when one of the two goalies on our team one was injured and one was on vacation with his parents when I was like 10 or something like that so it's like yeah well I like to play goal so I jumped in net and it just kind of stuck for the rest of the season
1: so, like, you first tried for like a striker, so like the opposite of goalie. Do you still get like kind of like like a bit of the impulse to to uh, kind of move up and you know try and be involved in that way? Like end of the oh, game, like you're just like itching to go to the other end.
0: Of course, I've, I've like even in practice as well. I'm always having competitions with guys, thinking that I can outscore them. I'm always trying to take <laughs> free kicks and stuff like that. And no, it's, it's it's fun to practice. Obviously, I mean, I would never never put any of those skills to use. And if I had to, there would be a problem, right? (laughs) (laughs) Something's gone horribly wrong. Yeah, no, it's just, I just like to do it for, have a bit of banter, have a bit of fun with the guys and make things competitive.
1: Right on. Um, So do you remember if, uh, if like there was a point when you, when you decided that like you were going to try and take soccer, you know, um, like as seriously as you could to like, you know, have a, try and have a go at a pro career.
0: Yeah. So I guess that I would say that that kind of came in my second year of university. So I always knew like I'd be good enough because as I, as I got older, um, I did make a pretty rapid progression, I would say, but so I always knew I was good enough to play at some kind of college level in Canada. And then Alberta, it's called ACAC, which is the college level. And then there, obviously there's U sports slash CIS, which is like the university level. So I ended up making uh McEwen university. Uh, which is in U Sport um, under head coach Cam Lieberman, um, the second year of my U Sport career, um, he decided to move on to a different, uh, back to his uh, teaching career, I guess. Um, and we had an interim coach. His name was Carl Ora, um, and he took us on, like I guess, a preseason trip down to Phoenix. And little that I know, he was actually. Um, the foothills, I guess it's USL two now, but at the time it was PDL assistant coach um, behind Tommy Wheldon, who's the cavalry coach. Um, I showed really, really well, but without knowing that I was trying to impress him because I didn't know he was the coach at the time. So he just kind of asked me, he's like, well, you know, there's this league that plays in the summer for university students and it might be a really good opportunity for you and stuff like that. So, I mean, I went down, I, my dad, I made probably four or five road trips down to Calgary um, and I was trying out for this team. And then all of a sudden, Tommy called me off the field one day during a game and he said, welcome to the team. And then at that point, it just kind of, honestly, it just skyrocketed from there. Like my very first year at a, at a league and level like that, I won um, goalkeeper of the year out of 72 teams. I won, the rookie of the year on the futsol or the the Calgary Foothills team I won the Foot Soldiers player of the year and honestly ever since then it's just been a very <clears throat> rapid but natural progression upwards i did two seasons there then i went to sweden i came back from sweden i trained with toronto fc for a couple of weeks and then my cpl career started in Edmonton shortly after that so it's it's been a, a crazy I'd say five to six years for sure.
1: You know, you spent two years with FC Edmonton, and and uh, you know, then you signed with Atlético Ottawa. Had you like you had you been to Ottawa at all before joining?
0: Uh, yeah, when I was a kid, my grandparents brought me here just because we have a uh, my dad's sister lived here. Um, so um, we came out here when I was a kid. But uh, honestly, when I came back here just this like maybe a few months ago, it was pretty pretty much brand new to me. I didn't really remember much or anything like that, but it's a beautiful city. I love it here.
1: Was there any place that like, um, you know, maybe from a tourist perspective that you were to, you know, you were super excited to, to, you know, go see?
0: Yeah. Well, actually it's, I'm very lucky. I live basically right across the street from the parliament buildings. Um, So like my first week I was walking up and down that road, taking, tours and stuff like that and like and then I got to go see some of the the more I guess you could say non-tourist areas like the Lansdowne area and the Byward Market area and stuff like that and, but no it's everything everything here is beautiful and I can't pick honestly one piece that's my
1: favorite. So you did some tours did you do like uh like the haunted walk or like that bus that also goes in the water did
0: I did that when I was a kid when I came here. Oh, yeah? yeah, It's actually, I remember it and I was like, I wonder where it is. And one day I was just walking to the redo center and I was like, wow, there it is right there. No, I remember that. Cause I think it goes all the way over to Gatineau and then down into the water and then back up or something like that. No, yep. be, it was pretty cool actually.
1: Right on. Yeah. So, you know, you're with Atletico Ottawa now and uh, you know, that's a bit of a different cat in like North American soccer, you know, being, being, you know, you're in Ottawa, but, like, you're part of, like, this bigger kind of global brand. Um, so we've heard talk – we've heard players talk about going to Spain and, like, the fantastic facilities during preseason and, like, all that. Um, has there been anything that's, that's like, maybe uh, surprised you, though, about being part of a club that's under this mega umbrella or or that might, you know, surprise fans maybe?
0: Honestly, yeah, I think it comes down back to, like, our, our trip that was in Spain. Like, we were, we were treated – I don't want to say like royalty or like the first team or anything like that, but it was kind of a new experience. Like we had Atletico Madrid's first team bus one day come pick us up and they took us to the training facility, everything like that. We got to a majority of our training was at the uh, the facility where the women play, the women's team and the youth teams play. But then we did have a couple of games where, it's their first team training facility. It's the first team players, the Atletico B players, everything like all their high performance players. And I mean, to be able to train at a facility like that, that was a pretty, pretty amazing experience for everybody for sure. But um, yeah, no, it's hard to pinpoint one thing. But um, overall, I would say it's been a very humbling experience because we don't really have anything like what they have over, in, uh, or over in Spain.
1: Is it like a, like a non-soccer part of that trip that kind of sticks out as being, you know, like a really cool experience?
0: Yeah. I mean, there, there wasn't a lot that uh, we did because obviously we were on a pretty strict COVID protocol, but uh, there was a couple, like, there was a couple like just day trips to Madrid that we did. Um, We had to be really careful with it though, like just on the bus and stuff like that. But I mean um, just to see, like just a different way of living you know it was just because I've, I've been to I've been to Barcelona I've been to Italy um so it was my first time in Madrid but it's just a ref like kind of refreshing to be able to like immerse yourself in a different like just a different way of living different culture and stuff like that so I'd probably say that
1: uh so you said that it, like you've been to Italy before and stuff like that have you like you traveled a lot then
0: um yes when I was younger like I said I traveled to Italy I traveled to Barcelona with a couple of like select teams I guess you could call them from Edmonton um so I was in Italy for two weeks um Spain for two weeks and we just did a played a bunch of different teams and stuff like that and then in 2018 I moved to Sweden for the year to play there and that was also an amazing experience um I played a couple of games in Finland um but yeah, no, I, I don't say, I wouldn't say I'm like a world traveler or anything like that, but I've definitely seen um, a lot more than other people probably seen.
1: So, you know, we're kind of just past the halfway point of the season now. Um, like what's the feeling been like in the locker room, uh, you know, maybe lately?
0: Yeah, lately, I mean, it's kind of like, it's kind of a double-edged sword, right? Because I, in my opinion, and a lot of the opinion of, you know, the staff and the guys, we're playing better football. I mean, since we've been able to get home and play on our home pitch, there's no doubt that, I mean, we're not, we're not lacking um, character. We're not lacking fight. um, Like we're battling from behind all the time, but then that's the, that's the flip side of the coin is unfortunately we are playing from behind. Right. I mean, at the end of the day, it's a results oriented business and, everybody knows that although we're playing better, there's still a certain expectation playing for a team like this, that we need to be in a better position. And we are aware of that. And, and I think everybody is, you know, going to have to start digging deep here and, you know, battling through some things and to get to where we want to be. Cause everybody's on the same page. We know where we want to be. We know where we deserve to be, but um, unfortunately, things just have come together at the wrong point in the season. Um, but we're da- we don't have the mentality that you know we're down and out of it we're still ready to put our best foot forward and continue to move uh, up the table hopefully
1: so yeah you mentioned that like you know you've been playing from behind a lot um, so the team's like allowed a lot of penalties this year like um, you know I think it's the uh, double or like triple the number of like the next you new know, highest amount and'll and I'll preface this by saying like some of those were not. Uh, like they weren't penalties, like they shouldn't have been. Yeah. Um, but you know, like others were. Um, yeah. Has the rest of the team done anything to to kind of maybe say like, "Hey, I'm I'm sorry that we've made you, you know, put you into the, you know these positions so often?" Maybe an yeah. exercise a cake or something. Yeah.
0: <laughs> no, I mean it's it's unfortunate, obviously, because I mean to give up, you know, I'd say even five penalties in a season as long as ours is. Um, something that I would consider unacceptable. And, and, and again, we're all on the same page. We know that we're conceding way too many penalties and we can't expect games to go our way if we keep conceding at the rate we are. Um, But that being said, I mean, you know, I gave away a penalty as well. So it would be, it'd be a little hypocritical of me to, you know, um, start coming down on guys for giving away penalties. But, you know, at the end of the day, like I said, we're all in this together and whether, we give up five penalties a game or no penalties a game. Um, I'll always have, you know, all their all of their backs. Just I know, like, I know they'll have uh, my back no matter what.
1: So my understanding is that uh, you're the first Atletico Ottawa player to, you know, to make the leap into the supporter section, the dub. Um, what inspired you to make that leap?
0: <sighs> you know, honestly, I don't even remember what was going through my head. And even looking back, I'm just like, that was pretty, you know, silly but I don't, regret it at all. <laughs> I don't regret it at all and you know what i'd probably do it again but um you know it was just one of those moments it was a special. it wasn't i don't want to say it was like uh we just won the world cup kind of moment but it was one of those moments where it was like you know what we just battled back again from being down in the game it was a late goal we probably deserved more that game but i mean you have a goalie on the other side that game that's making some outstanding saves we probably deserved a little bit more so it's just kind of one of those moments where the adrenaline was pumping I saw how much it meant to the supporters and I knew how much it meant to me and I just wanted to you know go celebrate I just wanted everybody's energy to kind of intertwine and stuff like that and yeah, no, it was a, it was a special moment. It was a bit of a, you know, a funny moment because, like I said, I celebrated like we just won the Champions League. But to me, um, yeah, I would do it all over
1: again in a heartbeat. Um, yeah, like there's a few like really great pictures that came from that, um, and uh, and yeah, I know that a lot of the supporters are like just really, really love that, um, and uh, you know, like especially now that you can you can play in front of of fans um like how is that live fan relationship being because it's like it's just starting um uh, so how has that been and how has that developed
0: yeah well I've always said like in a league like this right now we need as many people in the stands as we can get you know and even when I was in Edmonton I've always tried to take it upon myself even when you know it's not a team requirement to to go show some appreciation to the fans like I would show up to some of their supporters group meetings and just you know have a pint with them buy them a pint kind of thing just chit chat about soccer chit chat about life even sometimes and it's just a good feeling when you know that you can have a relationship with the people that are you know spending their money to come watch you play right and you know fans never ask for anything in return except for maybe results but as they should but you know, for me, I mean, I had my girlfriend in town for one of the games and we went to the, you know, the pub afterwards where, where they were and we just sat down and chatted. So, I mean, for for me, it's so, so important that, you know, we engage with the fans. We, um, we try to connect with them as much as we can because, I mean, they may enjoy watching us, but we need them more than they need us, right? And like there's nobody holding a gun to their head saying, come watch this game. But the fact of the matter is, is if they don't spend the money that they work for to come watch us, then there's no league. So it's it's always been super important to me that they know how important they are to the league and to the teams.
1: So I had a question about, uh, you know, as the Winnipeg bubble came to a close, like a lot of like a lot more attention was drawn to that push for the CPL to recognize a players' union, like the, the uh, Pro Footballers Association of Canada. And, and like, since then people might've seen, you know, there's been shirts, scarves and like hashtags and like signs supporting Mm -hmm. that union. Um, would you build, like, would you be able to just like briefly explain like why so many, uh, fans and players are, are, you know, pushing for this?
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's something that is, I guess, just to come out and say it, it's necessary, um, in a new league, um, I know I understand personally uh, how much investment, not only money-wise, but in terms of like owner's time and stuff like that, that this is taken, just to take it off the ground. And, you know, for an ownership group in their second year of having a league, to for them to be able to, you know, invest the money to get us into a bubble, even just to have some kind of season, um, its it's been amazing so far. And I'm super grateful for all the work they've done. But, um, you know, that being said is at the end of the day, um, what you put into something is directly what you're going to get out of it. Right. So it's always been my stance where if you want a better, um, product on the field, you have to include the players in some kind of conversation, right? So whether that's, you know, hotels that they stay at during a bubble, whether that's, you know, the kind of food that's served during a bubble and stuff like that, I mean, Uh, the whole idea around the association is not to, you know, overthrow the league or anything like that. It's not to get them to spend a lot more money or any more money. Really. It's just really about being informed. I mean, I know again, just for me personally, um, I think it got to like the second last game of the season. We still didn't have the schedule for the rest of the year. Right. And for me, it's, it's kind of that stuff that, means more to me than anything is it like although owners are investing money there's people here that have families there's players here that have kids there's players here that have houses there's players that have all different things right and it's always just kind of been you know just having that voice having that seat at the table saying like okay well we we understand where you as owners and the league are coming from but we would just like you to maybe think about X, Y, and Z as well. And if you can incorporate it, then great. If not, well, I guess we can have another conversation. And it's the same with every other player that I've spoken to. Like nobody is like, I don't don't think I've ever seen a player publicly or even to me privately say, this union is about higher salaries or anything like that. This union is about anything of the sort, right? Like I said, it's strictly about just, you know, making making it feel like we have some kind of voice, some kind of seat at the table and, you know, realizing that we can't ask for too much because owners have given a lot right now. So there was kind of a push just at the uh, towards the end of the bubble that, you know, some of us came together and we're just like, you know what, let's just let's just do this thing. Um, And it got a huge response, a huge positive response, some negative, but I mean, there's always going to be critics. Um, But for the most part, I think a lot of the fans and supporters are on, on, uh, on the same page as us.
1: Yeah. So you mentioned, um, you know, even the players didn't have a schedule yet, you know, with like two games to go in that Winnipeg bubble. Um, And I think, you know, one thing that's been a source of frustration for, for most people who Aren't like in that inner circle of the workings of the league, um, you know, I found that that the communication has been, you know, uh, subpar, I'll say generously overall. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't want to like, make this come, you know, seem like, a, you know, this isn't like a, like a league bashing thing. I don't want it to come from, from like, from that perspective. Um, but like, do you have a sense of, you know, as to like, w- like why communication has been like, s- seems to be like a weakness of the league?
0: So I think just in terms of like, I guess the league's kind of transparency with things. And I guess some could say lack of communication. Um, a lot of that has come during, you know, these, co- these last two years, which are obviously COVID years. Um, so it is difficult. There is a lot of uncertainty or there was um, around certain things. Um, like the league has pulled together the bubble two years in a row, maybe with limited resources, limited, you know, time and availability for scheduling things. But I think a lot of it has come just because, you know, the league has to do their due diligence to realize and like really do their research on things. Like if they're going to be investing large amounts of money to make something happen, they need to be 1 million percent sure. <clears throat> and I, I was obviously vocal about how I felt about the schedule being released. But um, again, the flip side of that coin, I'm also understanding that, you know, any, any bad move that the league makes could be catastrophic because it's still so new. Right. So any bad investment that they make any wasted money that they, that is lost um, it could be like detrimental to the league. So I do understand why the league does like to take their time sometimes. Um, but that again, comes back to, you know, including the players in the discussions at least at the very minimum, because at the end of the day, Although it's the, the owners and the league making, you know, these big decisions happen, it's us that have to, you know, go park ourselves in Winnipeg for four or five weeks. It's us that have to, you know, uplift and uproot our lives for, you know, probably more time than we'd want to to go play. Um, and all, although I know every single player in this league is thankful for the opportunity to be able to do, to do that, there needs to be, in my opinion, a little bit more communication from the top to the bottom.
1: Yeah, like, I wish, you know, that I had more time with you today to to kind of dive more into this. Um, so I hope that we can, you know, talk about this more in the future. Um, but uh, I will ask, in terms of recognizing the union, can you say if if there's been, like, much progress in that lately?
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, Dan Crook and, you know, Paul Champ, and uh, along with the board, they've been making some very good strides. I mean, um, it's, it's going to be, it's a long, I'm not going to say battle because it shouldn't be labeled as a battle, but it's, it's a long road ahead. Um, you know, during that Pacific versus Vancouver Whitecaps game, you saw two unions come together there for a picture. So, you know, it's gaining traction where everybody knows where we stand. Everybody knows the direction we want to go. Um, so for me, you know, it's just kind of a matter of time. And, uh, you know, I hope I'm around long enough to be able to uh, see it come to fruition.
1: Uh, so before we go, uh, I did put out to social media. I think you saw that, uh, you know, I was asking for some fan questions. Um, so so I did get a few today. Where do you get your fashion inspiration? Are you a fashion <laughs> Are you a fashion guy?
0: Uh, I don't know if I'd say, like, I'm a fashion guy. I mean, I think I like to, I think I dress, you know, decently. <laughs> I think I have <laughs> a few
1: decent. Happy- i'm not sure if this is in reference to something this is from uh from thomas stockton and i think you've talked to him before
0: yeah yeah thomas and i've had a couple of chats before uh,
1: <laughs> honestly,
0: yeah i don't know i don't know i just you know find something that i like i'm very you know plain i don't wear like a lot of colors or flashy colors i'm like black white gray and like maybe navy blue or something like that so i'm just a very simple guy in that aspect so don't know if that answers your question, Thomas, or not.
1: But <laughs> <laughs> um, do you have any favorite moments so far? Like anything that that stands out with with Atletico so far?
0: Uh, that stands out. Yeah, I mean, probably that home opener, that first game that we had. Yeah. And there were so many people. I mean, twelve thousand people. It's the first big outdoor event that the city put back on, and that Atletico put on. I mean, for us to be able to once again. I think we came from behind in that game and to be able to win it in front of everybody it was an amazing feeling um and then obviously my my surf or my crowd surfing moment there um <laughs> with, uh, yeah. so yeah no those are probably the two I think of the most
1: okay um how do you feel about the atletico culture so far and and like how has it evolved in Ottawa this season
0: yeah, no, I mean again it goes back to like everything that we kind of chatted about with Spain. I mean, they they do their best here to to make it as, you know, close to Atletico Madrid as they can but without losing the identity of Ottawa. And I think that's a really important piece to, you know, this isn't a this isn't a Spanish club, you know. This is still Canadian players playing for a Canadian city. So I think that's a really important message to also drive home. Um but, yeah, like our CEO, Fernando, all our coaches, you know, trying to bring the philosophy over and everything like that. It's been a really good learning year for me. Okay.
1: Um, what are your hopes or, or like goals, I guess, for the rest of the season?
0: Make playoffs, period. Um, and, you know, what? I believe in myself. I believe in my teammates. I believe in everybody from the top down that we're going to get it done. Um, I know that might sound optimistic with where we are, but – I think uh, some of the guys myself included are going to a different place mentally to be able to, you know, dig deep and find what find that extra motivation that we obviously need right now. And hopefully we see that out on the pitch tomorrow.
1: Okay. Um, Which CPL team is most in need of a new stadium and why is it Edmonton?
0: (laughs) Uh, No, that's, you know what? Um, I can never, I can never bash my old, my hometown club. Of course, Tom Fath is an amazing owner. Um, And you know what? Um, He does a lot for the soccer community in, in Edmonton. And you know what, to be able to, I don't know if anybody knows this, but that's a city of Edmonton owned field and he gets very little support from the city in terms of, you know, financial assistance, to be able to put in new stands. So when you watch their games, all the stands on the far side of the field that are blue is all him. He put his own money into that. So, I mean, when there's a lot of, you know, things that, you know, different stadiums have that um, others don't, I mean, you go to Halifax, they have a grass pitch, right. Yep. But just because they have a grass pitch doesn't mean they have the best stadium. So, I mean, you go to Hamilton or Winnipeg or Ottawa and we have the CFL stadiums, right. So, Um, everybody's got, you know, good pieces and pieces that, you know, are maybe less ideal, but, uh, yeah, Edmonton is, uh, very fortunate to have Tom Fath and how uh, generous he is.
1: You're not going to get any arguments from me. Um, so my last question, uh, so for everyone, you know, at some point your, your playing days come to an end, um, like what does Dylan Powley see himself doing after, after his career winds down, which is like years and years away. Yeah.
0: No, that's a good question. I mean, I always find myself, you know, I have my own um, goalkeeper Academy back in Edmonton. So coaching is definitely a passion of mine. I mean, I was lucky in the sense that, you know, my parents were able to provide me with like all the extra goalkeeper training and all that kind of stuff. Um, That being said, you know, the game has evolved, right? So it's not just like the goalie kicks the ball up every single time. Right. I like to think that I can, provide a new perspective on the position and maybe even the game for you know kids that want to learn so I've always it's always been a passion of mine to you know be able to pass down what I know um but that being said is I'm I'm learning my last three years in the league here from my goalkeeper coach in Edmonton to my goalkeeper coach now with Ottawa I've learned so so much and I take bits and pieces from everybody and I want to be able to you know give it back um to kids, so I would definitely say something with soccer still on coaching.
1: That was our chat with Atletico Ottawa goalkeeper Dylan Powley. Really hope you enjoyed it. That's gonna wrap up this episode. And hey, if there's anyone that you want to hear on the podcast, don't be afraid to let me know. Reach out over social media, email if you see me at a game. You want something, say something. Don't forget to like and subscribe, wherever you can do that. I'm told that helps me. Until next time, my name is Josh Lemoyne, we'll see ya.